Good morning. Today is Monday, January 24th, 2021. There is a similar question that applies to two very different mitzvos commandments in our parsha. This week's portion is the portion of Mishpatim. And the first one relates to the fact that there is a prohibition against lending money with interest. Yes, I know there are certain loopholes to get around it, but let's just focus on the actual prohibition. The Torah says in our parsha, Esami, lo sesimun alav neshech. If you lend money to another Jewish person, do not charge interest. And the question is, why not? I mean, I'm allowed to charge you for, for using my car. I'm allowed to charge you for using my house. We call that a lease. What's the difference between charging you for using my car and charging you for using my capital, my money? That's question number one. Question number two, also in this week's Parsha, interestingly, remember we've been discussing this year is a Shemitah year. The sabbatical year, the Jewish year, 5782, starting this past Rosh Hashanah, going this next Rosh Hashanah, we're now almost in the middle of it. And the Torah says in our parsha, Vahashvias Tishmatena Unatashta, Vahachlu Evyone Amecha, Vyisram Tochal Chayasasateh, Kain Tasel Charmecha, Lezeisecha, that you uh, during the seventh year, you have to leave it alone. You don't plant, you don't harvest, and therefore the poor among you will be able to feed because you have to treat your land, your crops, as if whatever grows on, on its own, as if it doesn't belong to you. Anybody can come and take it. And so whatever is there can be eaten by whoever needs it. but it's mine. I bought it. I own it. I've been working it for the previous six years. What kind of sense does it make to say that there's a mitzvah that I'm not allowed to plant or to harvest or to act like an owner of my own field? It's very interesting when it comes to the sabbatical year. First of all, it's very interesting that this is one of the only times that academics become very religious and many try to arrange a sabbatical. There are rabbis also that sometimes arrange a sabbatical, which in general is a very, very good idea to refresh. The only question is, some rabbis are a little bit um, concerned if they're away for a, few, for a whole year, the congregation might think that they can get along very well without them and they're worried about coming back. Okay, fine. But many people assume that the Torah law of Shemitah, of the sabbatical year, not to plant for an entire year your fields in Israel, is intended to increase the growth of the crops by letting the land rest, by letting the land lay fallow for a year, it will be more fertile, more productive the next year. Now, 
The truth is that used to be a widely held belief. It turns out that it's not true. What does help the yield of crops is to rotate crops. So by planting different crops in the same field, that is what actually helps increase the yield the second year. So it is just not actually true. But leaving that apart, I'm not a farmer, that's what I understand from farmers, but leaving that part aside, the Torah never makes such a claim. In fact, the Torah says later that those who are observing the Shemitah, the sixth year will bring a larger than normal crop that will allow you to be able to survive for the sixth year and the seventh year and part of the eighth year. Well, if the idea of Shemitah was to allow your land to lay fallow so that it would be more fertile, the obvious conclusion to that would be the sixth year, meaning you've been doing, you've been planting and harvesting crops every year for six years, that sixth year should be the lowest yield. In fact, the Torah promises it will be the highest to enable us to get through the Shemitah year. But the Torah never makes that claim. However, the Torah does clearly give us the reason for observing the Shemitah year. And it is a quite radical reason. And the Torah mentions this later on in the Parsha Bahar, in the book of Ayikra, where the Torah says, God says to the Jewish people, Ki li ha'aretz, the earth belongs to me, God says. It's not yours. It belongs to God. Ki gerim atem imadi. You, you and I, farmers, you are temporary residents. You are stewards. You are placed there to take care of, to develop. My, God says, my earth, but it's not yours. And therefore, I have the right to tell you, God says, when you can plant and when you cannot plant. And this fundamental principle is universal. We don't own our land. We don't own our possessions. We've discussed in other contexts, we don't own our bodies. We are stewards. We have the responsibility to take care of them in accordance with how God commands. We get to use them. We get to benefit from them. But fundamentally, they are not ours. We are leasers, not owners. And that is exactly the reason for the other mitzvah in our parsha, not to take interest, not to charge money for interest. Why? Why shouldn't I be able to charge you for using my money, my capital, my funds? It's mine. 
The answer is the same as it is for Shemitah. No, it's not yours. There's a fascinating passage in the Talmud. I've mentioned this before to some of you. The Talmud is talking about inheritance in the way in which, preferably, when a person leaves inheritance, it should be left equally to all of the children. That's the preference according to practical Jewish law. However, a person is allowed, it's not preferred, but there may be an extenuating circumstance that is a rationale for it, but a person is allowed to leave a little bit more to one person and a little bit less to another person. A person is allowed to do that. I'm, I'm advising you strongly, don't ever do that because it causes lots of problems, but technically a person is allowed to do that. Says the Talmud, there's an exception. Let's say a, a person has several children and hakosev kol nechasav levanav. A person leaves all of their inheritance to just one child. Says the Talmud, that child that is listed is required to share the inheritance equally among all the children. Why? The, the, the parents specifically instructed that it should all go to one. The rabbis in the Talmud say that we assume and we assume with a certainty that in that case, the parent must have meant to appoint that child as the trustee on behalf of all the children. Because it is unthinkable that a person would leave all of their material possessions to one child and not the other. So if a person did that, the only explanation, of course, in the absence of some other information with the, which would make this understandable in some other way, but the, the default, the assumption is that the parent meant to appoint them as the apotropos, which means trustee, on behalf of all of them. A number of great rabbis have pointed out that this is also the case with the phenomenon of people in this world who are wealthier and people in this world who are poorer. Do you mean to say that God loves one child more than another? God would give more to one rather than the other? Say these rabbis? No. If God gave an extra large portion to one person, it's not because God is saying, it's yours, you can do whatever you want with it. God is saying to you, you are an apotropos. You're a trustee. You have been given the responsibility to share it with others because it's unthinkable that God would have just favored some over others.
a person could say, but it was left to me. God gave it to me. I earned it. No, it's not yours. It was put into your temporary stewardship in order to do what is right with it, which is to make sure that those who are less fortunate are sharing in it. It applies to land in Israel during the Shemitah year. It applies to loans at all times in not charging interest. God says, I want you to do this favor that will help someone out who is in need. Why else would somebody come to me for a loan? I want you to help them and not accept any interest. Because this is one of the ways in which I am directing you to share, to act as the, the apotropos, the trustee, in sharing what you have with others, because that's what I want to happen. And in fact, also, it happens during Shemitah, the sabbatical year, at the end of the sabbatical year, in an even more extreme manner. And that is, at the end of the sabbatical year, any loans between one Jew and another that are already due are canceled. They're wiped out. So it's even more, it's an even more extreme form. Not only am I not allowed to charge interest, but at the end of the Shemitah year, which again is this year of living with this reality that we are just trustees, that we are just stewards, that it does not belong to us. Not only do I give up the interest, the whole loan is forgiven because it's not mine, because I'm required to recognize that ki li ha'aretz, the earth and all that fills it belongs to God. And whatever is put into my position, even if I have, in quotation marks, worked for it, even if I have, in quotation marks, earned it, even if, in quotation marks, it is mine, that's only the way it looks. But the truth is, it's God's. And God, on a regular basis, makes sure that we have reminders of that. This year, this Jewish year, the Shemitah year, is a year-long reminder of our place, our role in the world. And... During this year, throughout this year, we need repeated reminders, ongoing consciousness, in order to keep this meaningful. So allow me to share something with you. I shared it with some of you before, but it's something that expresses this entire concept of Shemitah, of ownership, of stewardship, so beautifully and so powerfully. It has been and it continues to be a helpful reminder and consciousness raising for me. And for that reason, I share it with you. And it's a poem. It's a poem by Margaret Atwood titled The Moment. The moment when, 
after many years of hard work and long voyage, you stand in the center of your room, house, half acre, square mile, island, country, knowing at last how you got there and say, I own this, is the same moment when the trees unloose their soft arms from around you, the birds take back their language, the cliffs fissure and collapse, and air moves back from you like a wave, and you can't breathe. No, they whisper, you own nothing. You were a visitor time and again, climbing the hill, planting the flag, proclaiming, we never belong to you. You never found us. It was always the other way around. And that is what Shemitah and the prohibition against interest teach us this week and for all time. My friends, I want to wish you a great day and I look forward to seeing you all soon in person.